This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. And I'm Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. And earlier today, Ben, you had the chance to Q&A the NYCHA chairwoman, Sholo Latoye. Um, what were you hoping to get out of that conversation? Yeah, I was uh, able to co-moderate with Eric Enquist of Cranes, New York, at a, a breakfast that the NYCHA chair and CEO spoke at. Um, I, you know, I had a lot of impressions. It was a, it was a very interesting conversation. Um, you know, I think one thing is that there's a million moving parts at once going on at NYCHA, and they're trying to reform basically all of them at the same time. Um, they have $17 billion in capital needs, you know, which is sort of unfathomable to think at how do they get into this hole and how do, how do you dig out of it when you need to make so many repairs to your buildings and your apartments. Um, but, you know, they have a 10-year plan for getting that into a manageable place. It's not a 10-year plan to solve it all. It's to get it to a manageable place of under $10 billion. Um, so, you know, the, they're, they're trying to change things operationally. They've got these big, big funding deficits. Um, you know, she's also trying to concentrate on new public-private partnerships. Um, she's a very sort of impressive public figure. Um, she's one, I'd say, of the more impressive sort of commissioners or chairs that the city has. Um, and, you know, you sort of listen to her speak and listen to her answer questions. And like any sort of political figure, she's not necessarily always answering your question, which happened on several occasions. But, you know, she's very good and very knowledgeable and clearly very into the work that's going on. One thing that she didn't answer through no fault of her own is, is how many people actually live on NYCHA's developments, which is a fascinating thing. And I think we've we've known that for a while, but just the the scale of our uncertainty is kind of striking. We know that it's home to a small city, but not that small a city, and, and maybe much larger than the 400,000 or so people who are on record. Right. She even, during her prepared remarks, before we even asked her questions, she sort of gave, I think, she at some point, she gave sort of a, a wink and a nod saying the 400,000 NYCHA residents that we know about, I mean, she very much acknowledge that there's many more than that. She doesn't have a grasp on how many. And the question remains about whether the city really wants to know, do they really want to get a handle on how many people are living in these buildings and should be on the leases. If you are added to the lease, then rent goes up because you know they expect more people living in an apartment to pay a little bit more. Um, so there's all sorts of questions around that because in some ways NYCHA is probably um, you know, helping avoid even more people living in shelters. Um, so, so yeah, they, they, she didn't have a direct answer on exactly what that number looks like. So next-gen NYCHA, which is her, NYCHA's strategic plan, uh, the 10-year plan, has the financial component you mentioned. Um, but kind of prior to that, there's also the operational changes that she wants to do to improve service on NYCHA campuses and developments. And one that's gotten some headlines and you asked about was this plan to try to expand the hours that maintenance staff is available. Right now it's uh, kind of an eight to four system, she said. Um, one thing that struck me about that sort of question and response is, uh, you know, the landlords in the audience who profess to offer 24-hour services, I don't know if their tenants would necessarily agree. Uh, sometimes it feels like night just being held as sort of an artificially high standard. I don't know what you thought about her reaction to the, the maintenance questions. Well, I mean, I think, uh, I'm interested to hear what you think of this, but, you know, I think that an eight to four model, and she sort of scoffed at it and explained it as part of the outdated operational way that they do things, 
And I think maybe I'm imagining this, but I imagined or I felt some sort of snickering in the audience as well. It was about 150 people, a lot of business people at these Cranes breakfasts. Um, you know, eight to four seems totally silly. Um, you know, this to me, in some respects, this to me ties in with a little bit of a of a cultural question about NYCHA, right? If you're saying that we can only come fix your apartments between eight and four, you know, what do you, you're sort of expecting people to be able to be home whenever you want them to be home to do that? I mean, you know, that sort of, to me, is almost indicating that you don't necessarily have a lot of respect for, for people's time that live there or that much expectation that they might be at work. Right, which goes to the mobility question, which got asked a lot today, you know, to what extent is NYCHA fostering mobility in the families that lives there that live there um, you know and I guess part of it is a question of whether NYCHA is intended to be a temporary place to live or a different kind of mobility people come in qualifying uh, for NYCHA at a very low income level and then with stable housing you know advance and they might stay there but they're no longer in the same economic place uh, the discussion about mobility it, it took up a lot of the talk today what did you think your takeaway from that was I, I think what you know, this administration sort of came into and what, what Shola Olatoye came into as the NYCHA chair, you know, is a very sort of stark situation. And she had some, you know, pretty frank words about just who's living at NYCHA, the fact that it used to be much more of sort of a middle class uh, design and it's totally changed in terms of the demographics and it's skewing a lot older. Um, and so, you know, she's, she indicated that she wants NYCHA to, again, be more of a beacon of mobility and a source where people, um, you know, can have their rents, you know, capped at about 30% of their income. And the average rent people are paying at NYCHA is, is I believe, less than $500 a month. And, and you have some of those opportunities to then uh, figure out your work situation and build yourself up a bit and, and hopefully move on. Um, but she, you know, didn't necessarily indicate a huge amount of progress on that front, and that's that's a big ship to turn, I think. I mean, what's been your impression of sort of how NYCHA has approached that? Well, it's interesting. I mean, I think that there's the stereotype of NYCHA as uh, a haven for poor people who are unemployed. The reality is a bit, bit different. It's, as we've mentioned just a few moments ago, it's a large population. A lot of people do work. Um, a lot of families are, you know, not in the very depths of poverty. Um, I think that, you know, to some extent, the critique of NYCHA might in some way be a critique of the larger economy and the housing market. You know, why are people at NYCHA for generations? Well, it's because it's becoming increasingly difficult for anyone, even working people, to afford uh, privately supplied housing. Um, why is that difficult? Well, partly it's the market and partly it's the fact that wages haven't kept up with housing costs and other costs, you know. I think NYCHA you know, whether that those trends at NYCHA are an, an indictment of NYCHA or merely uh, a microcosm of a larger problem, I think, is, is one of the questions. And, and Olatoya did mention, you know, that uh, NYCHA is working to, play, to help train more people and place more people in jobs. They have, you know, workforce development programs. And uh, I, I think as we talked about last time you and I spoke, Councilmember Richie Torres is introducing a bill, has introduced a bill in the city council to, to push forward some of the NYCHA jobs programs and track them better. You know, so there's definitely ways in which they're trying to move on this mobility question. Um, you know, your point about the sort of macro 
picture is is a really good one. You know, there's almost 300,000 people, I believe, on the NYCHA wait list, right? I mean, this is a huge resource of affordable housing um, where, where people of, of minimal means are able to stay and and try to get by. At the same time, you also have this this older population and a very young population. The, you know, the under 18 and the over 65 are a big chunk of the NYCHA population. Mm-hmm. Kind of an hourglass population. That, you know, your mentioning of it being an affordable housing resource, I think, goes to what was the most important question asked today, um, asked by Eric, but I'm sure well, it was on your right, mind too, you know. uh, which was, you know, the mayor has, the city has this huge affordable housing plan to spend uh, $8 billion of, of its own money, $41 million, billion total, um, on mostly on affordable housing that will not be uh, at NYCHA. And meanwhile, you have this, you know, vast capital deficit at NYCHA. You mentioned that this, this plan they have will get it from $17 billion to the modest number of 9 or $10 billion. Over 10 years, yeah. So the question is, why <clears throat> spend money, gobs of money, on affordable housing elsewhere when you have this vital resource um, on NYCHA developments that is desperately in need of help? What did you think of her? I was, I was not satisfied by her answer on that, <laughs> uh, which was basically uh, that, uh, you know, it, it, there are tough choices and we're talking a lot about it. Right. Well, you know, I, I said to her at one point, you know, this mayor has clearly made more of an investment in NYCHA than his predecessor, uh, alleviating NYCHA payments on certain fronts um, and, and also devoting more funding towards NYCHA. Um, but at the same time, there's hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars, that could also go to NYCHA that the city, because the city is doing very well in bringing in revenue. So there are choices being made, absolutely. And I don't think she wanted to obviously throw the mayor under the bus in any way and say, oh, yeah, I asked for $500 million more. And he said, no. Um, you know, I think that all of this is about priorities and about making choices. I think what NYCHA is doing, what the city is doing with this money is sort of an all of the above approach. And if you do an all of the above approach, you might not get huge infusions at any one time anywhere, but you're chipping away. So I think next-gen NYCHA, broadly speaking, it makes a lot of sense uh, not to endorse it, but you know, changing the hours for maintenance staff to be more than eight to four, you know, looking at ways to leverage, leverage the assets. Um, but Olatoya described that approach as being very bold, very audacious. And I'm not sure it is. I think it's common sense. Um, I think public housing was an audacious idea in its, in its day and age, and, and perhaps more so now. Um, but I don't know if this plan really seems sort of that earth-shattering. Um, do you think it, it you know, deserves the, you know, the, the spotlight she's shining on it? I mean, if you, you know, if you come into NYCHA with the boatload of problems that they're facing and you spend a year getting up trying to get a 10-year plan together and you put your 10-year plan together and you're trying to tackle everything from you know job training to building new developments on NYCHA land to changing the hours of operation you know I think I understand from her perspective calling it a bold audacious plan I think it's as you said sensical sort of nuts and bolts um action it's uh you know, it, there's a lot of, I think, common sense to it. Um, I think when you put together a 10-year plan on anything, you're, you know, you're sort of probably dreaming a little bit because so many things will change. And no matter, even if de Blasio serves two terms, there'll be someone else coming in towards the tail end of this plan. So, 
you know, I think it's um, it's somewhere somewhere in the bold version, but bold in terms of you got to do something and you got to put a plan together. And maybe bold just by virtue of uh, staying in one place. You know, one theme that she hit on more than once was that other cities, Chicago, Atlanta, St. Louis, they've dispersed, they've demolished their pu public housing. Um, New York has kept uh, its public housing, and, and this plan is an effort to keep it longer. Maybe that's maybe that's a form of boldness just by not uh, not following others sort of uh, sort of down that road. Yeah, and I wonder with, you know, and she pointed to this, and it's a big topic of conversation, the disinvestment from federal and, and state uh, governments. Um, you know, if almost that's sort of the assumption is that people were saying, well, this is a sort of an outdated model that we need to sort of let let fizzle out. I don't know if, you know, if that's something you think was on the sort of mind of the Bloomberg administration or or it's just a matter of, people not prioritizing the people they see as sort of welfare, you know, candidates living in in publicly funded housing. So last and most important question, what's the breakfast like at these cranes things like Boston cream donuts? Uh, <laughs> you'll be you'll be pleased to know that I actually did not eat a, a single thing this morning, but I had a delicious cup of coffee. Well, you deserve it.